Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Okay. Okay, so we are the guys who decided for the long weekend we're going to go, we're going to, go to Romania. <laughs> okay. Some of the guys, hopefully, who left sunny Joburg are joining us on YouTube. <laughs> hope, hope you guys, are, some of you are joining us, and um, welcome to everyone. Um, turn to the person next to you and tell them what our vision is. Now, if you're new here, obviously we don't expect you to know what our vision statement is, but you can test whether the person next to you actually knows what our vision statement is. So just, just turn to them and, and, and share what is our vision statement. Okay, good. Looks like most of you, most of you did remember what it is. For for those who didn't, uh, our, our vision statement that Shofar is to reach is reaching nations and generations through disciple making, leadership development, and church planting. And and we're just going through a, a, a series where we're looking at the things that we do and that we ought to do to do, and we're asking why should we do them? Because it, Unless we understand why we should do these important things, we'll either not do them at all or we won't do them well. Okay? And, and obviously our vision is part of that. So to, this morning I'm going to ask why church planting? Why church planting? Um, and, I, and I think it's a good question because most people, if they look at our vision, they, they look at the disciple making and the leadership development, and it's quite obvious why we do those things. Okay? People are like, yes, I can see, you know, we need to make disciples. The Great Commission says so. We need to develop leaders. Um, you know, the church need leaders. Uh, the church need disciple makers because disciple makers, leaders, make disciples. Um, so those those are obvious. But why plant churches? Why why church planting? That's not necessarily as obvious to everyone. Why that is important or why that is part of our vision. Um, in fact. Many people will say, you know, I have, I have questions about church planting. Why should we plant churches? I mean, I can understand that Paul and them had to plant churches right at the beginning because there were no churches. But, I mean, there are many churches now. Why, why do we still need to plant more churches? Uh, you know, why don't we need better churches rather than more churches? And, I mean, those are valid, valid questions. And, and hopefully... I'll be able to answer some of them, you know, as we go, go through the morning. So, first, I, I just want to sort of start at the beginning at the, at the Old Testament and, and give a few sort of reasons and sort of where God in the Old Testament sets the groundwork for, for church planting. And the first scripture I want to bring to your attention is in Genesis 1, uh, verse 11 and 12. And it says there, if you can just uh, bring it up, um, and God said... Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, uh, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And, and it goes on to say the same about the fish and the birds and the, and the animals and um, God established a principle right at the beginning, at creation, that each life form, each healthy life form at least, reproduces after its own kind. Okay? And 
He, he established the same principle for, for, for humanity. Later in, in this chapter, I don't have, have the scripture up there, but in Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28, God says, let us make man in our image. Okay? So, so that gives us the kind that, that God wants to reproduce. And then it says in verse 28, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and, and, and rule over it. Um, so God wanted to, from the beginning, fill the earth with his image or his image bearers. Okay? But we know, of course, then the, the fall came and Adam and Eve sinned and subsequently all of us have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And now we are not automatically born in God's image. So before the fall, you could fulfill the Great Commission by reproducing <laughs> just human beings which, who would have been automatically in the image of God. But now... People aren't born in the image of God. They're born again in the image of God because of, of the fall. You know, something, there needs to be a spiritual birth, a birth from above. Uh, you, you have to be born of the Spirit. Um, but what I want you to notice is that when God created the church, and this is very important, God created the church not just as a group of individuals, but as a spiritual entity as it were, a spiritual life form so that the church can reproduce after its own kind. And when the church is healthy, just like any healthy living organism, life form, it will reproduce after its own kind. Uh, and, and that's part of the reason why we plant churches. Another one that, I, that I'll just mention because I've already referred to it in an earlier sermon is in Exodus, the word church, ecclesia, Ek means out of, and Ecclesia comes from kaleo, to call. The church are the called out ones. Just like God, in the Old Testament, uh, the, the Greek Old Testament, that word Ecclesia is, is used to refer to Israel as the ones called out of Egypt and unto God. And the Bible makes it clear in the Old Testament already, and, and it's fulfilled in the New Testament, where, where it says that Jesus is the prophet like Moses who leads a new exodus. Okay? And every time we gather like this publicly, we are basically reenacting the new exodus or enacting the new exodus because we're acting out, coming out of the world and gathering unto God. And, and just like the Israelites didn't just leave Egypt alone and the slavery of Egypt alone, but they invited you know, slaves from all other nations and even the Egyptians themselves to join them. And many Egyptians and many slaves from other nations joined them in this exodus you know, going out of Egypt, out of the world, out of slavery to, to Pharaoh and to come unto God and to worship him and to, to be with him. Um, so every time we reenact or we enact the new exodus, we invite people to come with us, come out of the world and out of the slavery of the world and out of slavery to sin and come unto God to be his people and to worship him. Um, and, and then another one in um, Genesis 22 from verse 17 to 18. Um, actually, let me just read that for you. This is, um, you, you'll know Genesis 22 as the famous chapter in which um, Abraham is called to sacrifice his son Isaac. And then, of course, we know that God says, God stops him and, and, and gives a ram in, its, uh, in, its, um, in, in, in um, Isaac's place. And then in verse 17 and 18 of Genesis 22, it's, God says, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand 
that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemy, enemies. Uh, and in your offspring, and, and offspring there is singular, by the way. Um, well, offspring can be in in Hebrew, like in English, it can be both singular and plural, actually. Um, and it says, uh, and in your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And notice here that God in Genesis 1 verse 28, before the fall, he blesses Adam and Eve and says, be fruitful and multiply. And by multiplying, you'll multiply that blessing. And all the people on the earth will be blessed. But then came the fall, and instead of the blessing came the curse. But God's intention has always been to bless people and not just to bless people but to bless all people all nations that's god's mission to multiply blessing to the nations and his vehicle is the church because the offspring of abraham of course we know is the seed of abraham is jesus and it's through him that all nations will be blessed so so god's mission is to bless all nations in other words, we plant churches, if I can put it in, 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 the, um, in the words of church planting, we plant churches not because God has a mission for his church. We plant churches because God has a church for his mission. God's mission was there from the beginning, and he created the church to fulfill that mission. And that mission is to spread the gospel blessing to all nations. And that's why we plant churches. In fact, um, when the Great Commission, and I'll, I'll read that scripture in a moment, says, go and make disciples of all nations. The only way to do that is by planting churches in all nations, in all people groups. So, um, then let's jump to the New Testament in, in Matthew 16, verse 18. If you can just bring up that scripture. Matthew 16, verse 18. Um, it, it says, Jesus says, On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice that Jesus is committed to establishing and building one entity on earth, and that is his church. Okay? That doesn't mean that everything else outside of the church is entirely unimportant and insignificant. It just means that he has one, yeah, his plan A is the church and he has no plan B. When it comes to saving the world, and he is the savior of the world, he has one plan. And we're it. <laughs> we're his plan A and he has no plan B. Okay? The church is what, he, what he's committed to building. Note that he says, I will build my church. Notice that the church is his church. This church is not my church. This church does not belong to me. I, as the pastor, I'm just a steward. I'm a leader and a servant in the church. But I, I try to be careful to never talk about my church. I, I'll either say Jesus' church or the church that Jesus entrusted to me. Because this church has never and will never belong to me or any other human leader. The church belongs to Jesus. It's his church. Okay? And we belong to him, um, all of us together. Uh, so he says, I will build my church. Notice it's his church, and he says he will build it. 
That is very encouraging. That, that is a great promise where Jesus says, I will build my church. Okay? And that, that, now, sometimes we misinterpret Scripture and we, and we say, if God's going to do some, something, we don't have to do it. We don't have to be involved. Like they say in Afrikaans, God's water or God's akker. If God's going to do it, I don't have to do anything. I can just sit back and relax. But that's a wrong way of interpreting Scripture because God usually, not always, but He usually works through human beings. He works through us. And the good news is exactly that God invites us to participate in what He is doing in the world. So that means that when Jesus says, I will build my church, we should endeavor to build where He is building. Now, obviously, all of us have a lot of sort of just normal, everyday things that we're supposed to do, work that we're supposed to do, family responsibilities, admin, this, that, and the other thing. But all of us must make sure that in some way or another, we are building where Jesus is building. Because the reality is nothing else in this life will last into eternity except that which Jesus builds. I, I just want you to, to really think about that for a moment. Biological family is important, right? We agree on that. In fact, the Bible says so. It's very important. It's critical. It's, it's in, a, in a real, very real sense, uh, the building block of human society that God created. In, in the beginning, He created a family to reflect Him as a divine family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So biological family is important, yet the Bible says in heaven there will be no more families. I mean, it says that when Jesus says there will be no more marriage. Marriage and, and families built on the marriage covenant. So, so marriage is until death do us part. Right? That means biological families only until death do us part. Only spiritual family, the church, will last into eternity. Now, I know this is, is a bit weird, because thinking about the reality that in heaven, you're not primarily going to be married to your spouse, but you're going to be married to Jesus. So we're not going to call each other, even if Rochelle and I are not going to call each other in heaven husband and wife, because our marriage will be over. Our, our human marriage will be over. Okay? We'll call each other brother and sister. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't make biological family less important. I'm saying that to, you to show you if biological family is that important and it won't last into eternity, how important does that make spiritual family which will last into eternity? You know, husbands or fathers and children, you know, are, <laughs> the reality is when, when, when Kirsten and I are in heaven, she's no longer going to call me dad. She's going to call me brother. Because our, because our spiritual family connection will supersede our natural family, biological family connection. So how, can you see how important spiritual family is? Okay? I'm, I'm using this argument to say biological family is important, but clearly spiritual family is even more important, so how important must spiritual family be? Okay? Um, so Jesus says, I will build my church, and we should build where where he is building. Now, he, he says, I will build my church, and, and he says church singular there. 
So obviously he's talking about, and, and church sort of takes place on at, at least three levels. The first level is what Jesus is talking about here, the global church, the universal church, the one church to which all true born-again believers belong. Okay? But the word, the word, we cannot build that church. Jesus will build that church. But what we can build is the other two levels of church that depend on the universal church. So church is used like where Jesus used it here for the universal or the global church, but it's also used for the local church. And let me just actually read you a scripture, uh, if you can bring up that, Romans 16. Romans 16 verse um, 3 to 5. It says, Paul, this is at the end of Paul's letter to the, to the Romans. He's writing to the Roman church, the church in Rome, and he, and he says to them, Greet Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles. Okay, their churches is used plural. The churches of the Gentiles uh, give thanks as well. And then he, uh, he says in verse 5, greet also the church in their house. So he's talking about the churches of the Gentiles. And in the next letter, say 1 Corinthians, it gives us one of the examples. It says, to the church of God in Corinth. So that, those churches of the Gentiles or the church of God in Corinth, those are examples of local churches. Okay? Like us. We're a local gathering. We're a local church. But then he mentions church on another level in verse 5. Greet also the church in their house. Within the local church, there are churches that meet in houses, which we call small groups. So here's the thing I want you to notice. Both the local church and the small group is church. And those are the two levels of church where we can actually build with Jesus. Okay, we cannot build the global church, but we can build the local church and the small group church. And in that sense, all of us can, on a very practical level, be involved in church planting. Because, you know, we look at disciple making, yes, I should and I can be involved in that. Leadership development, yes, I should and I can be involved in that. Church planting, most Christians think, okay, I'm not a church planter. No, actually you are. If you understand church correctly, you are. Because the reality is we as Shofar Randberg have already planted a church in Santon. So we are church planters. And, and all Christians should be involved in church planting, either as the planting church or the planted church. Okay? So we've already planted a local church. And every time your small group multiplies, you plant a small group, you're actually planting a new church. And planting small group churches is training for planting local churches because how do you plant a local church? By just planting multiple small groups. <laughs> so if you can plant one small group, you can plant a church because you, can just, you just repeat that process. And then you're pl planting churches. So can you see how church planting is not sort of an airy-fairy, way-out-there, pie-in-the-sky kind of dream? It really is practical. We can all do it. Notice, um, notice uh, that he said, I will, future tense, build my church. So, so what, what, is, what does that tell you about the church? The church, when Jesus says, my church, he says, not I am building my church. He says, future tense, I will build my church. Okay. So his disciples, his 12 disciples, the apostles who were gathering with him, um, 
during his earthly ministry, that was not yet the church. That was, and I'm not saying they weren't saved. <laughs> they were saved, but they were saved under the old covenant. The blood of the cross and the outpoured Holy Spirit was necessary for the new covenant and for the new covenant church. So when he says, I will build my church, he's referring to Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit after his blood has been shed, after the cross, after the Spirit was given, because um, the church is the temple of God filled with the presence of God. Okay? And that's when the church is launched. And just, um, just think about this for a moment. It says in Acts chapter 2, and I, I don't know, have it up on the screen, um, but, it, but it talks about how they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayers, how they gathered daily uh, in the temple, big group, local church, and from house to house, small group churches. And then it, it talks about how they gave to one another and shared and did life together. And it talks about how the, they had favor with all the people. Now, think about this for a moment. It takes a community to put the gospel on display. It takes a community to put Jesus adequately on display. I, I, just, want to, I just want this to really hit home. Okay? The only individual, the only individual who could adequately represent Jesus is Jesus himself. All the rest of us can only represent Jesus as part of a community. We can only adequately represent Jesus as a part of a community. That's why we're his body. Okay? The only way you can represent Jesus in this world adequately so that you can have favor with all the people, so that people can see Jesus, so they can see the gospel put on display and be drawn to it, so they can see, uh, uh, so they can have a foretaste of the new creation, a preview, if you will, of the new creation, is as part of a community, part of a church community. And that's, part of, that's why we plant churches, is so that we can put the gospel on display, so that we can put Jesus on display in such a way that the world can look at it and say, wow, this is a messed up world. This world is full of things going wrong and sin and brokenness. But in the midst of this brokenness, here's an imperfect community which yet somehow gives me hope because it reflects, it shows a possibility of things being made new, of a new creation, of a new way of living. Maybe I want to be part of that. That gives me hope. But we can only do that together as part of churches, and that's why we plant churches, individuals by themselves cannot fully or adequately do that. Um, so, each one of us, I, I, want to, I want to just invite each one of us to be part of church planting, planting local churches, planting small group churches. Okay? And the only way you, we're going to look at the Great Commission in a moment, the only way you can fulfill the Great Commission is by planting churches, as we're going to see. So what do you need to do to actually fulfill that aspect of our vision and actually be involved in planting churches? Um, the next scripture I want us to look at is Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. If you can just throw that on the screen. We all know this 
well, most of us probably know this quite well. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now you might say, Okay, you know, when, we, when you spoke about leadership development, when you spoke about nations and generations, when Devil spoke last week about disciple-making, you read the scripture, and I see disciple-making there, and in some way I can see leadership, you know, development there. But where's the church? I don't see the church. <laughs> How can you say, any that the Great Commission is a command to plant churches? Yeah, the word church is not explicitly mentioned there, but church planting is implied there. Because... It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Okay? Can disciples baptize themselves? No. So baptism implies a community. And when we look at baptism in the context of the New Testament, it's always being baptized into the community. A church community. So, in order to, in fact, where not only does Jesus' commands to make disciples... All of his great commission commands imply the church and churches, local churches. But it's impossible to fulfill them without the local church. And we see that when, I mean, the Apostle Paul went around fulfilling the great commission. He went around planting churches. Right? So that shows you how the apostles interpreted the great commission. They, they interpreted clearly as a command to plant churches, because Paul went around and planted churches all over the place. He planted, he always, his usual strategy was to go to the major cities of a country or region and plant a church there, and then to move on. You know, to grow the church until it's, it reaches a, a, level of, a certain level of maturity, and then he'll move on. And you can, you can almost see certain, um, you can just bring up the next slide, certain assumptions behind what Paul is doing. And the one assumption is the the, most, the best way and most lasting way to reach a country is to reach its major cities. And behold, Joburg is a major city in South Africa, not only in Gauteng. Okay? And the most lasting way to reach a major city is to plant a church in it, a mature church in it. Does that make sense? And that's what Paul went around doing. He went around planting and growing churches in the major cities of regions and countries and, and so reach them. Because here's the thing. Um, in, in, in missiology, they talk about mature churches as churches that are self-governing, self-sustaining, self-propagating, and self-correcting. Okay? Now, self-governing and self-sustaining, not in the sense of apart from God, as though God doesn't sustain us, but in the sense that not governed by an outside human authority. So in the, in the beginning, many of, of the missionaries who came, say, to Africa or to Latin America or wherever planted churches, but they were governed from the outside, not by people who were native to that country, but by, you know, foreign missionaries. And they weren't self-sustaining. They were sustained and supported by outside finances from the country of, from where the missionary came from. And, and, and 
You know, missionologist says that that's not a mature church. Mature churches must come to the place where they're self-governing, where the local members of the church actually are the leadership of the church who govern the church. Self-sustaining in that you don't need either financial or ministry support from outside, but where you're generating it yourself. Self-propagating in the sense that that church starts to duplicate itself, starts to reproduce after its own kind. And self-correcting in the sense that all churches make mistakes and all churches miss it sometime, but together by the grace of God, if we stick to the Word of God and follow the Spirit of God, we can correct ourselves. We can become self-correcting and fix those wrong beliefs or those wrong behaviors and, and so grow um, in Christ-likeness. And, and those are the kinds of churches that Paul planted. And, and he knew if he planted such a church in a city, it will not only duplicate itself in that city, but in other cities and in the rest of the region or the the country, and he would have reached the region or the country. And, and that's why after planting such a church, he moved on to a next region or a next country and plant, did the same there, planted churches there. But like I said, you might say, that was in the beginning when there were no churches. Now that we have more than enough churches, you know, shouldn't we just take the churches that there are and, and make them better? And um, we need better churches, not more churches. Um, I, I agree that we need better churches, and the church should always, like the reformers said, the church should be reformed and always reforming. You know, we should always become better. We should always grow. But we do need more churches. In fact, the best way to reach new people is by planting new churches, and the best way to renew old churches is by planting new churches. Now, some of you might listen to that and say, any, are you sure? <laughs> I can tell you much study has been done on this. And to anyone who studied missiology and how to best reach people, how to best make disciples, there is no disciple-making strategy that is better than planting churches. That is statistically true. I mean, there's, uh, having crusades, starting parachurch ministries, you know, all of that, None of that is as effective as planting new churches. In fact, um, one missiologist, uh, I did put the quote up there. Um, yeah, there it is. Um, C. Peter Wagner, a famous missiologist, he said, planting new churches is the most effective evangelism methodology known under heaven. Okay, and, and, and that's based on decades. I mean, he said that quite a, a few decades ago, but the, the ensuing decades has only confirmed that. If you think about it, planting new churches is the best way of reaching new generations, of reaching new residents in a certain area, of reaching new people groups, and of reaching unchurched people. Okay, it, it, it's the best way of reaching new generations because disproportionately younger people are in smaller church and younger church plants. Why? Because Older, established plants are usually led by older people <clears throat> who usually impose their cultural preferences on those churches. Singing their songs, their hymns, you know, interacting in their kind of culture, which does not necessarily represent the younger culture. So by planting new churches, you usually use people who have a bit more of an appetite for risk and 
you know, adventure, which will be younger people, and then they'll plant that church and it will reflect their younger generation's culture and attract people from their younger generation. So that new church plant will be much more effective, and we see this in practice, at reaching the younger generation than the older established church, which reflects the culture of a previous generation. Okay? Better at reaching new residents. You know, if, if you have new residents coming in, um, you know, older churches do tend to eventually settle and focus more on maintaining than on reaching out. Whereas new churches focus most of its energy on reaching out, reaching people outside of the church. Uh, reaching new people groups, the same thing. Often churches, we're a bit of an exception because we're a rather mixed church, but most churches reach, tend to reach mostly one people group, one cultural group, one ethnic, people from, from, from a similar ethnic background. And then once again, the culture in that church reflects the culture of that ethnic group. So that people from other ethnic groups struggle to integrate into it because they have to integrate into a, a group that has a certain culture, that reflects a certain culture. But if you, if you go and plant a new church with one of the leaders from this new culture, then the church will reflect that new culture to which those, that new people group can more easily come and with whom they can more easily integrate. So... And, and once again, you know, the, the, the stats bear it out. New church plants are more effective at reaching new people groups. So it's more effective if you want to reach a new people group rather than integrating them into your existing group, you go and plant a church in their community, led by them, and it reaches them much more effectively. Um, the unchurched as well. Smaller Newer church plants are just statistically much more effective at reaching unchurched people. What tends to happen is bigger, more established churches grow by church transfer. People who are doing church hopping, you know, Christians who are actually already Christians just come to that church. But, but newer, younger church plants tend to grow much more percentage-wise through new converts. So new church plants are more effective at reaching unchurched people as well. So can, can you see, and, and then what happens is the older churches, some of those people who, unchurched people get saved and come into the new church, eventually, maybe they have families or, or for some other reason, they move to a different place in the city, then they move to one of the established churches. And the established churches actually grow because of what happens in the new church plant as well. And, and they also get, get re-energized, so that's why I say New church plants are also the best way of renewing existing churches. Um, I wish I had time to go into that a bit more. So, I want you to see that, I want you to see why we do church planting. Why we have small groups and then out of them we plant new small groups. Why we planted the congregation in Santon. It's not only because the Bible commands it, but it's because if we want to be effective and get people saved, then that's the best thing to do. Now, I'm sure some of you are sitting here and you did not see yourself before this service as being involved in church planting or 
even having a desire to be involved in church planting. And my question to you is, has what I've shared with you, has God, is God using what I've shared with you to cause you to reconsider that maybe you should be more involved, actively involved in church planting? In a sense, you're already involved in church planting because we've already planted a local church, you know, and, and we're already planting small groups. In fact, where's Hanan? Hanan, where are you? Don't you and your small group want to come forward quickly? Hanan and everyone in this small group, just come forward. Hanan and them were in, um, in Neil's small group. Um, and uh, about a month ago, they planted a new small group in, in Parkhurst. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, well, then you want to just quickly share with us what, how that happened and, and you know, what the result has been. And he doesn't prepare you for things like this. <laughs> um, this is my uh, lovely small group. It's not mine. It's where we are part of it. Yeah. Um, I'll keep the story brief. Um, we were um, a small group. They were very um, big. We were like counting more than 18 people. Um, and I think... Um, what the Lord just put on our hearts, we're just seeing that if new people come in, we, we're so overwhelmed actually with the numbers that we weren't able to really um, invest and disciple new people. So um, we also watched Werner's um, just video on guidance when he was in the pastor summit and said small groups need to be hungry, right? So hungry small group just meaning um, small um, and, and with the outward focus. And, um, and what we also just realized that if we're going to reach the city, um, we need small groups that, um, that are planted and, and that actually are hungry for new people to come in. And so um, we, in discussion with Andre and Neil and everyone, we're just like, okay, let's, um, let's plant a new small group instead of splitting a big one in two. Um, and... Um, the, the plan then was that um, me and Yanni, we asked Christian and Karin, and they were like, yes, let's do this. And so we planted a, a new small group, and it was just the four of us. There was one guy who was my neighbor. He also joined. And, um, and the Lord added quicker than we could ever expect. Yeah, and um, currently we are um, enjoying it so much, and uh, we've had so many new people join, and we're just seeing the we we close to ten. I think yeah, if we count everyone, we we were ten. Um, and yeah, what what a privilege! We're only a month in, and um, I can really just experience the Lord's uh, favor on it. Um, and I um, at this just last point, I was wondering a few months ago, like, is it possible for me to move God's heart? You know, some do something, say something that really moves Him. And I realized if you talk about the unsaved. And the unreached, it moves him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Anand. Thanks, you guys. Can go and sit again. But they they doing church planting. I mean, that that's church planting in practice. It's it's and it's it's really not that difficult, as you can see. It's really not that difficult. You just plant a small group in a new area, and and reach out to the people in that area, and you're doing church planting. Let's stand.
So I hope you all understand better now why we do church planting and why church planting is part of our vision. And that it's not a theoretical part of our vision. It's a practical part of our vision. And I, I hope you're starting to see the potential of church planting, either planting small groups or planting local churches, what God can really do through that. Uh, and that each one of us, in some way or another, can, can be involved in that. You know? and, and I want to commend you because everything that you contribute, just the fact that you're here or the fact that you're serving or the fact that you're a friend to someone or the fact that you're teaching or discipling here, you are preparing us to plant more churches. You're raising up more church planters. Just the fact that you go to a small group and that you pray for someone or that you facilitate, help facilitate the encounter and someone's life changes through that, all of that builds towards church planting. So you've already been doing a lot, all of you, towards church planting. And I think we can just do it more intentionally and focus especially on planting new small groups and then eventually planting uh, new local churches. Uh, Look, Joburg as a city is growing much faster than the church in Joburg is growing. Much faster. Every year, literally hundreds of thousands of people come to Joburg. And, and jo Joburg is just growing. And it will continue to grow. And the only way we're going to reach those extra people that come is by planting new churches. Lord God, we just come to us, we just come and bring ourselves before you, Lord God. And we just thank you, Lord, that you give us the, the privilege to be part of what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus, you say, I will build my church. Thank you that you promised that and that we can, Lord, rest in that promise and know that you will be faithful to it. And, and we want to build, Lord, our desire is to build where you are building. And, and we pray, Lord, that you'll continue to use us and, and use us even more and more effectively to do that. Help us, Lord, to, Lord, really become effective at planting churches and, and use all our efforts, Lord, on, on the level of small group and also on the level of local church, Lord. Use it, Lord, to, 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 to build your global church, Lord, to establish your kingdom here on earth. Lord, we, we, we pray, Lord, that, that you'll give us that hunger in our hearts to make us those, those hungry small groups that, that our nuns spoke about. And, and we pray, Lord God, that, that you will have your way in us, that your vision will be our vision to reach the nations and to make disciples and plant churches. Lord, I, I just pray your your blessing over every single person here. And I pray your blessing over us corporately and not only over us, but over your entire church, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that you will bless us as your global church and cause us to be fruitful and multiply. Because when we look at the world, we can see the world needs it so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.